Welcome to the Painting Experience podcast for November 2014. On the podcast, founder Stuart Cubley explores the potential of the emerging field of process arts and shares inspiration and insights from his ongoing workshops and retreats. In this episode, Stuart discusses creative blocks, how to approach them rather than push them away, and how they can become doorways to deeper levels of freedom. The whole topic of creative blocks is especially interesting in the context of uh, process painting. The creative block is bringing you up against an essential choice that you make in yourself. And it's a choice between process and product. The creative block, as I experience it working with people in process painting, is something that arises when, on some level, we've made the product more important than the process. And the painting has become a thing. And having become a thing, it needs to exhibit its thingness. It needs to get better. It needs to say something. It needs to go in a particular direction. It needs to be acceptable. It becomes an object that becomes the point of your endeavor. And of course, this leads to pretty a big blockage. It, it leads to a loss of energy. It leads to discouragement. And it leads to struggle and conflict. There was a woman I worked with recently who shared with me how she would walk into her studio in the morning. And she would be completely overwhelmed by the choices involved. Do I work with my oils or do I work with my acrylics? Do I work on canvas? Do I work on paper? And then after all, what would I paint anyway? And where do I start? Do I, is it figurative? Is it landscape? Is it abstract? I don't even know how to begin. And she would sit down and then finally just give up. It's like, what's the point? And so that's my question, really. What is the point? Because in traditional art, and traditional painting, the point is the product. And again, there's nothing wrong with this. This is a a different endeavor than process painting. And in process painting, the point is not the product, obviously. The point is the process. And they're very different animals. And I think uh, it's important to realize how different it is when you approach the painting, the experience of painting, from these two different perspectives. And when you look at the inevitability of a creative block, creative blocks arise. They're they're bound to arise. There's no way to uh, navigate around them. There's no way to skirt the fact that a creative block is going to show up. But if you're doing it from the point of view of process, it's very different. And it, it takes on a very, very different light. And it actually becomes a potential rather than an obstacle. The struggle becomes fruitful And it becomes a learning about oneself, and it becomes a deepening experience rather than something just to get over so you can get the product completed. And so this is a very different perspective, and I think it's important to to recognize that because we often get discouraged by creative blocks. And we usually, at some level, want to just throw in the towel and, and give up. That's where it wants to take us. It feels fruitless and we have to either power our way through or, or find some way 
to suppress the, uh, the pain of it. But if you look at the process of painting through these other eyes, and you recognize that the creative block is actually a knock on the door. It's actually intelligent. It's not something there just to bother you. It's not something there to derail you. It's something that's shown up in the experience of painting that has a tremendous potential for allowing you to let go of another level in which you're attached to having it turn out in a particular way. So in other words, the creative blocks that come up can be transitional points. They can actually be portals to another level of freedom. So for example, when you start painting, there you are. Say this woman that I was talking about finally you know, gets her choices made, has got her paint and, and her easel set up and has chosen a brush. And she's standing there in front of this white piece of paper and it's like, oh my God, what do I do? If it's a product, I've got to decide what it is I'm trying to express and what it is I'm going to, how I'm going to do it. And maybe I should sketch it out first. And, or maybe I should go online and look at images uh, or something of this type and, and figure out you know, how to begin. So already the struggle arises. It's already a blockage. Now, through the eyes of process painting, you say, okay, I, I'm afraid. Here's this white piece of paper. It's totally void. It's totally pristine. And any mark I make on it is going to change it, and I might not like it. It's, and it might be a wrong start. It might be a false start. I'm afraid. And being in contact with that fear and being, and being interested in the process of creating and being interested actually in the fear itself rather than trying to avoid the fear and get over it and do something that skirts it, you pick up a brush and a color say, well, where's the energy first? You know, you look at the colors, oh my gosh, okay, there's, there's a black or there's a brown or there's a green or there's a red, something. Something has a little pull. And, of course, it's not going to be good enough. It takes a tremendous humility in the beginning, and especially in the beginning, at many points along the way as well, but especially in the beginning, it takes a tremendous humility to put that first stroke on the paper. There's a great quote that I love from Alan Watts. Uh, it's the first words of God, according to Alan Watts. You've got to draw the line somewhere. In other words, you have to desecrate the void. You have to violate that pristine emptiness. You've got to draw the line. And then, of course, it's all, you might say, downhill from there. Then you've got form. Then you've got a shape. Then you've got a color. It's no longer pure potential. It's now becoming actual. That first form, daring to allow that first form to show up, and of course, as I say, it never feels quite good enough because it, it no longer holds the pure potential of all that's possible. It's now something. It's become a, a color and a shape. So it takes humility. And you say, okay, I'm willing to, to allow the diminishment of the beginning, the showing up. And then you'll notice, okay, there I've got this green line. It looks like it wants to do some more green lines next to it, kind of parallel. And so I'm finding myself doing a few green lines, and then the, I run out of color. 
and I go back to the uh, the table and I look at all the colors and now another color shows up and here's this brown. This brown wants to be a little bigger. It's kind of moving in a horizontal fashion now across the in, towards the bottom of the paper and it's kind of bulkier. It's, I'm using a little bigger brush here. This feels kind of bulkier and and then you turn back to the colors again and then and there's some yellow. I don't know what I'll do with this yellow, but it's kind of pulling me. It's kind of delicious, this yellow. And you take the brush and you go to the paper, and the yellow finds its place. And you find yourself entering a kind of flow. There's a stream. And all the voices around, you know, failure and not knowing what to do and is it good enough and so on are kind of in abeyance. They, they've kind of fallen into the background. It feels kind of good. There's something about, about the stroking the paper or the canvas. There's something about applying the paint. There's something about the movement itself. It just feels good. It feels so instinctive. It feels so natural, actually, to do this. There's this flow that happens and, and carries you, and you're finding yourself not thinking so much about time and no worries until something else shows up. And then you might look and say, oh my gosh, there's, that looks like a head. And next to it, there's that arm reaching up. And I didn't mean to paint a body. You know, I'm not trying to paint some person here, but gee, it sure looks like at the beginning of a person. And this can lead to a kind of stoppage, of course, because you feel like the voices then can get louder. Well, I can't paint people. I don't, I don't paint people. I'm going to just turn this back into uh, abstract, I mean, but it just looks like a person. So I'm just afraid to do it. It might look really silly. It might look like a cartoon. It might, it, it's so stereotype. I, I just, uh, I can only do stick figures. I hear that so much. People tell me I can only do stick figures. And so I'll encourage somebody at that point to say, no, don't worry about whether it, it looks like a regular person or not. This is going to have your flavor. Bring your presence to it. Don't just slap it up there. Sometimes people think, okay, I can't pay people, so I'll just slap up a, a stick figure. But you see, that's a way of avoiding the fullness of this experience, which does have fear in it. And if you slowed down and maybe went with intention okay, there's a person here, and dared to give it the next thing that it's calling for. Is it the other arm? Is it, is it some color on the, on the body? Is, heaven forbid, is it the face itself? Now, that's a big one. And there's a lot of hesitation around daring to be that explicit. And you can see that's really what's, what's at issue here, is do you dare be explicit? In other words, do you dare show up? in your own particularity. That's so much about what this process is about, is realizing that there's not a stereotype that you should be trying to mold yourself after, but there's a particularity in you and in your way of doing that is totally unique and totally fascinating and interesting to other people if you let it out. So to do so, we have to be willing to risk the humiliation, I guess you might say, of your own particularity coming into form. That face that you might paint has the potential, I suppose, to be really silly or really ugly or 
something distasteful. But you have to risk it. If you don't risk it, what do you do? You pretend it's not there. You turn it back into something abstract. This is the inevitable moment of meeting yourself in front of the painting processes. Do you dare show up and take the consequences? Because, say, once you do the face, sometimes there is a judgment around it. And the tendency would be to cover it up and to get rid of it. And again, that's a way of turning away from the potential that exists within what we call here a creative block. It's not actually a block. It's a call towards a greater commitment, to a greater courage, to a greater level of participation, and a showing up. Where you get to choose between process and product. You get to choose between experiencing the power of this flow that has First of all, giving you the colors, and not only that has given you a person to paint, or do you turn it into a product that you then struggle with and try to control and try to make happen in a particular way? So say you've continued with this painting, and all of a sudden, okay, you've given yourself the permission, and you've done your face, and, you know, it's kind of cool, actually. It's Look, it's got these blue eyes, and I put some red lips there. It's got this funny expression, and that hand... That arm that's going up has a hand on it, and it's it's facing, it looks like a woman, and, and she's facing over to this other side of the painting with her hand up. And at this point, another type of creative block can show up, which has to do with meaning. And you say, oh, I see, she's, she's stopping life. That's what she's doing. She's, yeah. Oh, it's my issue. Oh my God, my issue has shown up. It's, I was afraid of this. I was afraid the painting would reveal something horrible about myself. I'm stopping life. Oh my God, I've got to sit down and have some emotions. And you can see how the mind loves to create a narrative. Its function, in a way, is to create narratives and to bring meaning. And so this can become another blockage because look what it has done to my energy now that I've decided it's revealing the way that I stop life. And so now not only do I have to make the painting about that, but I've got to figure out what's in front of her. What is that thing that she's holding up her hand against? If it's about me stopping life, then let's see. Maybe it's my relationship to to my work. Let's see. So how could I find... Uh, What could I paint from my work that would show how I'm stopping myself? And inevitably, the narrative leads you back into your head. And you can see how it becomes then a thinking process and a struggle to, to come up with the right image that would express what you're thinking the painting is about. And the narrative has taken over. This is another common creative block. You can see how the storyline starts to dominate. And again, this is a potential to let go of another level in which we are being dominated by the need to turn the painting into a product. And in a more general way, of course, how we do that in our lives. The painting is a microcosm for the way that we do it. And so here we've turned the painting into a story, which is another product. And in doing so, we're stuck, we're caught by it, and we find the energy is drained out of us, and we hesitate, the the flow is lost. And so the potential here is in recognizing that to come back to the moment, come back to the flow and say, okay, 
I hear you. Thank you for sharing. I understand that could be a story, but I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of that story. Just because there's a person here with their hand up doesn't mean anything in particular. I don't know. You come back to I don't know. And when you come back to I don't know, then you're, you're allowed access to the stream again because the stream only shows up when you create a space in yourself through not knowing. You say, I don't know. But you know, that brush, it does want to go over there. There's that space over on the left. And it's kind of, it's something wants to happen there. I don't know what it is, but when I look, it's like the red, the red color has energy. It's, and I'm going to need a bigger brush for this. It feels like it's something larger. And you take the brush, and uh, maybe it's a wider brush, and it's got a lot of red paint on it, and you start to move with it, and it just feels good again. It feels good to be applying the paint to the paper. And now, look, it's, it's becoming something. It looks like these are legs. And look, it's, a, it's got horns. It feels like it's some sort of something alive. It's a creature. It's got horns. I don't know. I'm not going to jump on a bandwagon of trying to figure out what it is, but... It's kind of unique and kind of interesting. And, and then all of a sudden the blue calls you. You know, there's a space at the top for the blue. It almost looks like sky. Uh, but then another voice can come up, which is another kind of blockage voice, which says, stereotypical, trite, blue sky, yuck. I mean, everybody does blue sky. I've got it. I should do a sky of a different color. And you can see how Again, we get in our own way. The simplicity of that first blue that came to you and that wants to go up in that area of the painting gets blocked because of some idea that we should be doing it more originally. I should be more creative than that, not just blue sky. I should do something kind of different. I, to be creative is to be different. And as soon as we think that, then we have to struggle with, well, let's see, what color would be different then? What would be a different kind of color for the sky that would be interesting? Rather, We're back in our head. And so you know, the painting process is really a series of blocks. It's really a series of creative blocks. But each block, once you recognize it and get out of your own way, recognize how you're in your own way when the block shows up, and that it's an opportunity to drop back into the stream, and in doing so, to again participate in this deeper level of unconscious activity that's coming from within you, and be carried by that, it's a real process of becoming more and more yourself, you might say. These other voices really are external. They're not yourself. And as you find the courage and you actually step up to them and meet them, you recognize they're not yours. They're coming from conditioning. They're coming from what other people have said. They're coming from what expectation. And what feels really good for me is when I really do it my own way and dare to not worry about what other people think, and not worry whether it's going to be acceptable for others to see, and not even worry whether I'm going to like it at the end. If it's the journey that's important, if the point is actually the process itself, the experience itself, then all those things fall away. They diminish, and there's a path. And it's a path of aliveness. It's a path of inspiration. It's a path of intuition. And it's a path of deeper listening, and it's a path of insight as well. The very act of seeing this labyrinth of the mind and navigating through it brings tremendous insight. 
and I must say is something that carries far beyond the painting experience because the microcosm of painting is really a reflection of yourself in life and all activities. And to know the difference between these voices, to know the authentic voice of the stream versus the voice of the mind trying to manipulate and control provides a way of being that is truly amazing and something that is a very different way of living. And uh, it's gradual. It's not something that happens, uh, you know, you don't say, okay, now I get it. Now I'm going to live in this stream. No, it's ongoing. It's a deepening process that doesn't really stop. But it allows the person much more aliveness and much more contact with life itself. So the efficacy of creative blocks, very interesting topic. More to come. Thank you. You can learn more about the painting experience and find a list of upcoming process painting workshops by visiting our website at www.processarts.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. The theme music for this podcast comes from Stefan Jacob. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again soon.